0: Um, so, good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Doug. Um, I've been serving here at the church for about two years, and right now I'm with the uh, student ministry. I love it. We uh, hang out during third service, and then sometimes on Thursday nights as well. Um, you guys are my family. I'm glad you're here. Um, this is my extended family is here as well from Texas. So, hey, say hello, everybody. Hi, all the way here from Texas, coming and hanging out for my uh, brother-in-law's wedding, which is exciting. And then my family that lives here is also here. So, say hello to them too. <laughs> Alright, so um, again, my name is Doug, I have a beautiful wife named Christy, who's right over there, now that I've represented everybody, that's my wife. Uh, I have a little boy named Dougie Third. he's awesome, he's running around, usually you see him running around here somewhere. And I have another one on the way, right, and the other one on the way, uh, December 7th, his name is Aiden Marvel. All right? Uh, She let me name him, so I picked Marvel because I love Marvel comic books, and so everybody's just going to have to deal with it. So there it is. (laughs) Aiden Marvel. All right? Now, uh, if you've heard me speak before, uh, you've heard me mention this place called the Honor Academy. All right? And basically, this place was uh, this internship where you graduate high school and you'd go and hang out um, out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and you would intern with a uh, student ministry that was kind of like nationwide. Well, the interesting thing about this place that I didn't know at the time was it was a great place to go if you were walking in as a healthy and whole person, all right? If you were like healthy and whole and you were walking into this system, this way of doing things, it was great. You flourished. I, however, was not healthy. <laughs> I was not walking in with all my stuff together and so it was a difficult time for me. Um, as you spend time in a place like uh, this, you start to learn about different social things, you know, there's groups of people together, so groups start to form and there was this one group that we considered to be kind of the righteous of all of us. They were like just the big names, you know. They were the, the people that had it all together. And they were in leadership. And, and so what I did was I had a choice to make. When I showed up on the scene, Jesus hadn't really done much work in me yet. I was kind of fresh. But, but there were people there that were, seemed to be pretty righteous. So what I would do is I'd say, okay, I'm going to act like them. I'm going to conform to this, this pattern of righteousness I'm seeing in front of me so I can be like them. I don't want to bring all my stuff and my problems into this situation. I don't want to be the weird one who doesn't have it all together. So I'm going to be like everybody else. And the problem was, is eventually I kind of flamed out of the whole thing um, because it wasn't really Jesus in me doing work. It was me being motivated by myself. Does that make sense? And so this morning, I want to answer a question. Are we being conformed by the self or being transformed by the Spirit of God? Who here has experienced this in church on Sunday morning? show up here to the building, right? See some people, kind of the big names, the people serving, and you're like, oh, okay, those are the righteous people. Uh, I don't want to bring my stuff into the building, so I'm just going to kind of be like them, right? I'm going to kind of conform to to what it is that I see going on in them and kind of use that as my Christian walk, So I show up in the building, uh, maybe raise my hands during worship, because that's what seems to be what holy and righteous people do. Uh, Put some money in the basket if that's what I need to do. Serve, uh, you know, serve coffee if that's what what God wants me to do, but really kind of keep it at what I'm doing here in this building. I know I'm guilty of it. Well, maybe some of us are here too. But the funny thing is, God actually has something to say about this particular way of doing things. Uh, it's in Romans 12:1 and 2. So we're going to pop that on the screen, and, uh, and then we're going to pray. Let me get there real quick. Here we go. All right, let's pray. Father God, I just pray that this morning you give me the gift of teaching, Father God, that your word uh, go out with fire and that it uh, changes our lives, that we can become uh, Christians who are transformed by your spirit, Father God. We love you. We thank you for what you're doing here at Seacoast, and we just ask that you be present uh, with us now. In your name we pray, amen. Now, so let's get into this. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and what perfect will. It's very exciting stuff. So whenever we go through Scripture, we've got to ask ourselves a question, who is he talking to? Who's the writer and who is he talking to, right? We're not going to know how to apply it to our lives if we're not know what's going on. So it's Apostle Paul. He didn't always like Jesus, And then he did, Jesus showed up, changed his life, and then he just started telling everybody about Jesus. And so this little church began to form uh, in the city of Rome, the capital city of the Roman Empire, and it was Christians and, or I'm sorry, it was Jews and Gentiles all coming together in the name of Jesus, hanging out, eating food, praying for each other, doing all kinds of fun stuff. And so he writes this letter to them, he says, hey, here's some instructions on how to follow Jesus. All right? So we're going to start in verse 2. All right, we'll start in verse 2 because uh, verse 2 is the, is the issue at hand. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. It's a fair question to ask is, uh, what pattern of this world am I being tempted with? See, because remember, he's writing it to Christians, so the better question is, as a Christian man or woman, what pattern of this world am I being tempted with that Paul's asking me to resist? Well, I think we find the answer in Genesis 3. I'll paraphrase it for you. Uh, God creates men and women, right? And they're hanging out in the garden. They're having a good time. And he's, you know, he's saying, be fruitful, multiply, enjoy the earth that I've given you. Enjoy me. I love you. We can all hang out together. It's going to be great. And he says, by the way, there's a tree over there. And whatever you do, don't eat the tree. It's bad news bears. Just, just don't even go over there. I'm pretty sure God said bad news bears. Just saying. So anyway, so he says, don't go over there. And they say, okay, God, I'm good. And then what happens? Enter a serpent right? Devil shows up, and what does he say? He says, hey, guys, I know you're having a good time, but what about this tree over here? Why don't you guys have some of that? And they say, well, no, God said not to. And the devil says, well, you know what I think? I think God's lying. I think that he doesn't want you to be like him. That's what I think. And so what happens? Take the bite of the apple. See, what's happening in this moment is that it is the perfect temptation for what humankind struggles with the most, and that is a drive to go after selfish interest and selfish desires. What happened in this moment is they exchanged the truth about God—that He was good and holy and loving and wanted to—had everything you needed within Himself. They exchanged that truth for the lie that they need to pursue other things without God. Okay. So, if you're a note taker uh, this morning, your first thing you would want to write down is the pattern of this world is selfishness. More specifically, the pursuit of self-interest and selfish desires apart from what God wants from you. But to keep it simple, the pattern of this world is selfishness. Now that we have that set up, we gotta see, okay, what's Paul driving at here? Okay, what does it mean? What does my life look like if I'm uh, conforming to this pattern of self-interest and selfish desires? Well, this part's gonna sting a little bit, okay? But I promise you, we'll get through it together, all right? We'll renew the whole thing, it's gonna be great, but this part's gonna sting, okay? Here we go. Uh, when we buy into the screaming ethos of the world that says life is about you, this is what life kind of looks like. Uh, if you spend more time on Facebook than you do on your face hanging out with Jesus, you may have bought the lie. If you show up to church and criticize everything from the pastor to the greeters to the music to the way the chairs are set up to the color of the chairs, you may have bought the lie. If, you're not, if in your honest assessment, you are a consumer of Christian culture over being a giver to it, you may have bought the lie. I'll give you one more. If in your honest self-assessment, your entire Christianity can be boiled down to the 70 minutes you spend in this building on a Sunday morning, you may have bought the lie. Now, and be honest with you guys. Where I got this list of stuff from came directly from an inventory of my own life, okay? These are things, every single one of these things I'm guilty of. So you're in good company, all right? So don't feel bad. This is the part about how it's not going to be that bad, okay? So here's the deal. Uh, As I look through this list of things, I realize, yes, I have been guilty of everything, but I'm not here to condemn you, and neither is Jesus. But what I am here to do is call out the plans of the enemy that would get you to be an ineffective member of the kingdom to keep keep you on the track of looking at life like it's about you. We're not going to let that happen. We are kingdom people. We love Jesus, and we're going to go about Jesus' business. So we're not going to let that happen, right? All right, here we go. So here's the question. What do we do about it? What do we do about this temptation to be conformed into the pattern of this world? Well, it's a two-part movement. Paul says, uh, do not be conformed, so we're moving away from conforming, but be transformed, so we're leaning into transformation by the renewing of your mind. So let's get the first two things out of the way. Obvious differences between conforming and transforming. All right. In this scripture, uh, he uses the word conforming, which means, uh, which is suske matizo in the Greek, which is super fun to say, so I'll say it again. Suske metizo, all right? And it literally means that you have this existing state, okay, and you're being pushed into a mold, pushed, stretched, shaped into a mold, and watch this, that you're no longer meant for. When you're a new life in Christ, you're not meant for that pattern of the world anymore. So if you're going into it, you're being pushed and shaped into something that you're not supposed to be in, all right? Second word, transformation or transformed. It's the word metamorphos, which literally means a literal change from one thing to another. The Bible says we are new creations in Christ that uh, when Christ, uh, we accept Christ and he is then formed in us, we are, we're dead, we die. And then he raises us to life in Christ as a new creation. That's the difference. We're not being pushed and shaped into something. Uh, we're, rather, we're being made from the inside out. Follow me? Alright, church. That's where we're going today. So, uh, that being said, um, I'll give you kind of this picture that popped into my head as I was working through this text and trying to figure out how to explain this. Uh, imagine for a moment, all right, that uh you're in a prison. You've been captured by the enemy. All right. And this prison is enormous. All right, it's like the size of a city. It's just complicated, it's enormous, it's huge. And you're sitting in your cell one day, and uh, you hear this noise, strange noise, and you realize what you're hearing is the enemy has been overthrown. And you start hearing footsteps coming down the hallway, and as you look up right there in the bars of your cell is the face of the hero. The hero has come, and he says, he looks at you, and he says, do you want to be free? And you say, yeah, I want to be free. And he says, okay, and he unlocks the door, and he walks in, and he undoes the shackles on your feet, and he lifts you up, and he walks you out into the hallway. And when you're standing there in the hallway, he says, okay, you've got two choices. All right, choice number one, I know my way out of the prison. Okay, I'm the one who walked through this. I I can get you out. All right? But here's the deal. If you let me lead you, I've got some other things I need to do in here, and I want you to come with me. I've got a mission. I've got some things that need to be done. And so you let me lead you, and we'll do it together. Okay? Or you can lead yourself out. Right? You can try to figure it out on your own. But here's what you need to know. If you try to go on your own or go with me, whichever one you choose, I want you to know two things. Number one, no matter what you choose, I will never put you back in that cell. I will never put you back in that cell. And then number two, no matter which direction you choose, I'll go with you. I'll be with you no matter what. So let's follow out option B, okay? You say, you know what, Hero. I appreciate what you've done for me. It's great, but I think I can figure it out. I kind of just want to get out of here. Let's, you know, I think I'm just going to go. Okay, so he says, all right, well, lead on. And so you kind of go left when you should have taken a right. Uh, maybe you hit some dead ends that you weren't expecting. At one point, you, like, trip over some stuff that you didn't even see coming. You get a twisted ankle, right? And the whole time, the hero's there. When you get discouraged and downtrodden because you took a wrong turn or you hit a dead end and you're just tired, and, and he picks you up says, hey, man, it's going to be all right. I'm here. Dust you off. Get you moving again. Twist your ankle. He's there. Wraps your wounds. Wraps your ankle up. Stands you up again. He's there. But the weird part is, the entire time you're walking around leading yourself, you've not seen another soul. It's just you and the hero hanging out. You guys just walking around the prison together. No one else is there. right? Now, what happens if we follow at option A? Let's take a look. You say, okay, Hero appreciate what you've done for me. I trust you. I'm going to go ahead and whatever you want to do, I'll do it. Let's go. And as you begin to follow him, you realize there's people everywhere. It's insane. I mean, before it was like, it was a ghost town, but now you and, G- you and Jesus, I gave it away, the hero's Jesus. You and Jesus are hanging out, right? And you're just going everywhere. I mean, there are people being, needing to be healed. There's people being set free. You are just on mission with the hero, right? At one point he says, okay, at the end of this hallway, all right, there's, there's somebody who needs to be set free and tell you what, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you go. I'll give you the keys, all right, and I'll be with you, but I want you to be the one to go. And You walk over to the cell and you, and you know you're so excited because you realize you're engaging with the mission of the hero. So why do I say all this? The point is, is that uh, as you let, as you enter into the Christian walk, you've kind of got two choices. You can either uh, accept the gift of salvation that God's given you and then just, just, kind of want to still more do things your own way or you engage in the mission of jesus and he will lead you directly into the path of people because here's the deal jesus is about people he was about you and i when we got saved he's about everybody else too he's always been about people he always will be about people (laughs) he's always about people, and he always will be about people. That's what Jesus is about. And so this morning, as we look at this idea of of Christian transformation and rejecting conforming to selfishness and self-interest, the closest thing we can get to that is being led by Jesus into the path of people. So Christian, you have been freed from your cell this morning. (laughs) Amen. But we got to figure out how we're going to walk out. All right? So uh, let's take a look here. When Paul says being transformed by the renewing of your mind, it carries this idea that our, our mind actually breaks down. If our mind's in need of being renewed, then our mind will break down. So the question is, what is he talking about mind there? What he, what he means is, uh, it's your ability to decide between what is good and what is not. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, if you don't renew your mind, your ability to choose the good and perfect pleasing will of God will actually break down. You'll start leaning back into conforming, back into conforming. This side of eternity, that's what we do. We can't help it. We always want to go back towards selfishness, back towards self-interest. But we got to stop, renew our minds, go back to the mission of Jesus, get on the mission of people. And so it begs the question, well, how do we engage in the renewing of our minds? It's a fair question. I think Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says it best. You can put that up. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good reputation, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you put it as simple as possible, what Paul's describing here is the very many of the very attributes of God, right? Let's go through it again. God is true. God is honorable. God is right. God is pure. God is lovely. God is of good reputation. He's excellent, and he is worthy of praise. You think on the things of God, and the God of peace will be with you. So how do we renew our minds so we can engage in transformation work as opposed to engaging in conforming? I'll give you three ways. Very simple, Okay. First one, if you're a note taker, here we go. We worship God passionately. We worship God passionately. Then when we walk into this building, we're not just reading words on a screen, but we are worshiping the creator of life. We are worshiping our savior. We are worshiping the one who says how all this runs and then saw fit to give his grace and love and take me into his family. That's who we're talking about here. So we worship God passionately. We sing praise songs, and we, and we engage with our Father because we love Him. And that's not something you just do here on a Sunday morning. can't happen. you got to do it in the morning, on your way to work, in the car, before you go to bed at night, hanging out with your wife, whatever it is that you're doing. Don't miss an opportunity to worship God passionately because He deserves it. There's never really a wrong time. Secondly, we pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. That when there's things going on in our lives, we're not just... We're not just praying to make ourselves feel better in hopes that God may do something. When we pray, we're praying to Dad. We're talking to Dad who cares about us, who cares about the things going on in our lives. So when we pray, it's not just some empty thing that we do, but we're taking our things to Dad. And that's not something you can just do here on a Sunday morning. Right? And then finally, reading Scripture constantly. I'll tell you right now. uh, God gave us this, and it's full of great stuff. Okay? You stick your face in it, you're going to learn something. So the more time goes by without you looking into it, the more time you're going to start losing that ability to choose right the good and pleasing perfect will of God over the other, right? So we need to be in our word. we got to hear what God's, we've got to get the truth in us. It's got to be inside us so that we, even if I don't have my Bible handy, it's in me. And so when I'm tempted to be conformed to the pattern of this world, I go, wait, nope, God's word has something to say about that. I'm rejecting that. That makes sense? All right, so those are three simple ways in which we engage in the renewal of our minds to choose the transformative work of God. Now, I'll be honest with you. uh, The title of my sermon this morning is called Living Beyond the 70. It's the idea that uh, the 70 minutes we spend in this building cannot be the sole place that you look to for the transformative work of God. Can't. Now, I'll be honest. What we do here is an incredible, amazing, and beneficial part of the kingdom of God. I think you need it. I think you got to hang out with a big family. you got to all get together and love on Jesus and and share with one another. But uh, if that's your only spot, you're missing out. It's not going to happen. Your mind's going to break down by Thursday. Thursday you're going to be like, yeah, I think God does want me to have a Porsche. Okay, let's do that. It's not going to happen. you got to spend time in the word, reading, praying, being with God. Choose the right things. So let's go back to verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, in view of the amazing, unprecedented, undeserved, deeply moving love of God towards his people in Jesus Christ, with that right in front of your eyes, he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. I'll tell you right now, uh, you cannot separate your love and care and concern for people with your true and wa- proper worship of God. They go hand in hand. If you love God, you love people. That's how this works. And so as we continue on, it says, well, how do, we, how do we engage in being a, a living sacrifice? How do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? Well, to do that is to embody the very life of Christ that he represented here on earth. I mean, he was God in the flesh and he showed up to serve he loved on people, he fed the hungry, he took care of the widows and the orphans, he spoke the truth in love, he didn't back down when it was time to be honest about some things. I know a lot of us kind of struggle with that, you know, you're like, I just want people to like me, I don't want to make ruffle any feathers, so you do your thing. That's not the way this thing works, that we embody the life and ministry of Christ by serving others. Now, I'll be honest, there are some fun things that Jesus did in his life, like making hyper-religious people uncomfortable, which is one of my favorite things to do too. All right, It's great. However, uh, there's more to it than that. All right, So we engage in the mission and work of God by serving others. Now, uh, if you're a note taker, again, this is your note number three. Selfless acts mark a transforming life. Your life is filled with service to others, the ministry of Jesus on your mouth. That marks a transformed life. Now, I got to be honest with you guys, this is not a do better, try harder message, okay? If you're standing here this morning, you're like, you know what? He's really telling me to like up my game a little bit. And does that mean I'm a righteous person if I do these things? And I'm here to tell you, no, no, okay? The righteousness of Jesus Christ is all the righteousness that you need. So this isn't about uh, saved or not saved, or I have to act a certain way to be a Christian. That's not what this is about. This is about the beautiful work that God wants to do in you to make you more like Christ. But his righteousness is already there for us. We are in the family with God. So don't ever doubt that for one second, all right? Nod your heads, that's the important part. (laughs) Okay, understand me on that. All right, very good. Now, here's the deal. If we're gonna be kingdom people doing kingdom work and being led by the spirit, then we gotta get something straight here, okay? We have to be led by the spirit of God to do these things. All right. The Bible tells us that God already has works prepared for us. We just got to engage in it. So I made this. This is a triangle. It's not a very good triangle. It's hard to make an equal-sided triangle without a ruler. But this was the best I could do. Okay, uh, And this is the best way I could explain how the Trinity works for this particular illustration. All right? We've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now at different points in history, human history, Uh, there has been a certain member of the Trinity that's kind of taken point. Imagine this like an arrow, right? So we have in creation, we have God, okay? God's kind of taken point. Holy Spirit's there hovering over the waters. Bible tells us in John that uh, Jesus was the word and in, in the beginning he was with God, so we know that Jesus was there. We've got all three present, but God is the active agent in humanity. Does that make sense? God is the active one. So then we move into the New Testament, and the arrow spins, right? It's a very bad arrow, I know. Now we have Jesus kind of at the forefront. We have Jesus on the scene, and he's the active agent in the world. Now, during his baptism, we see all three present. We've got uh, Jesus being baptized, uh, God speaking, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. So we have all three, but Jesus is the active agent, okay? But then, here comes Acts. We spin again. Now the active agent in our world, which is still today, we are living in Acts times. The Holy Spirit is the active agent of the Trinity in this world. He's, As you remember, Tim talked last week about uh, what the Holy Spirit does, and one of the many things he does is he leads us, comforts us. He's our advocate. He comes alongside us. Uh, He comes in us, and um, he leads us and guides us and and brings comfort when we're in pain and and gives us uh, words of knowledge and helps us develop as men and women of Christ. But see, I'll be honest with you guys. I like using my triangle this way. You know? I like The God and Jesus thing, I get. I can put handles on those two things, right? Not a very, it's not a very effective arrow, but um, it can get some things done, right? But what God says is, look, we've got to be people led by the Spirit. We've got to be people who let God interrupt our lives to engage in the mission and work that He already has prepared for us. But it starts with being led by the Spirit. So, all right, this is the fun part. I'm going to ask you all to stand up in a second, all right? This is the challenge for today, because, okay, how are we going to practically apply this idea of being people led by the Spirit of God, all right? Well, this morning, if you've heard my message and you felt like, hey, you know what, Uh, I've kind of been living my Christianity within the 70 minutes on a Sunday morning and haven't really experienced God much outside of that, that's you this morning. And you feel like, you know what, I want to be a person who is empowered by the Spirit of God directly into the path of people to bring the gospel message to them. If that's you, if you want to do that this week, stand up. up. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, don't leave me hanging. If you want to be a people of God who are empowered by the Spirit, who want to actually engage with their lives every day and see God show up, that's you. Come on, there we go. I love it. All right, so we're going to do something. All right, here we go. I'm going to pray, all right? And while I'm praying, I want you to ask God to give someone in your mind a picture of a person, a name, whatever it is. I want you to ask God to show you a person that you are supposed to touch specifically this week with some kind of selfless act of service and love, all right? Whether that's cooking a meal for somebody, hanging out with a coworker, buying them a cup of coffee, whatever it is that God leads you to do, I want you to do it, okay? So we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to do that. Um, and then we'll get to some other stuff. All right, here we go. Ready? Father God, we thank you so much. We ask for your spirit to come right now. Fill us from the inside out. Lead us into the path of people. Father, I pray right now that you give us someone in our minds uh, that we can touch with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can lovingly serve the lost, Father God, and that you will make us whole, that you will transform our lives by our selfless service to others, just like Jesus did. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, there's going to be an email on the screen real quick. Email somewhere. There it is. It's called Kingdom Stories at seacoastvineyard.com. All right? What I want to see is I want to hear about it. All right? I mean, I'm I'm holding you to it. Okay? God gave you something in your mind. I want you to actually do it this week. And then when you do it, I want to hear about what God's up to. So I want you to email the story to Kingdom Stories at seacoastvineyard.com. And let's see what God's doing through Seacoast Vineyard. Kind of amazing. So... As we close, what could it be like? Let's imagine for a moment, what could it be like if the kingdom of God was living on mission every day? How would the grand strand look if all 500 or so members of Seacoast Vineyard went out into the community with the mission of Jesus on their minds? That whether I'm at the grocery store, the coffee shop, I'm at work, I'm at home and I'm talking to the neighbors, whatever it is that you've got going on, you're on the mission and work of Jesus. Imagine the radical change that would happen. I'm excited. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome to see God show up in a big way. Now, last part, and Ben, y'all can come up here. Here's the last part for you guys, okay? We have a prayer team here. People who are not necessarily any more special than you or I, but they just love to pray for people. Can't get enough of it, I don't want you to leave this building without getting prayer. If you need something, If you need to go to your father about something, let's do it together, okay? Don't leave this building without experiencing the grace and love of God that he has in the kingdom, okay? That's what we're here for. So, you know, if you're here and, you know, you've heard this whole analogy about the prison and maybe you're still in prison, maybe you feel like you've kind of been living life in such a way that you just feel trapped. I'm here to tell you this morning, the hero is here. The hero has come to set you free. And as we worship today and we we gather together to worship the name of Jesus for that, if that's you, come on over to the prayer team side. Let me pray with you. Let's get you in the family. Let's get you on track with Jesus and then put you back on mission. All right? So I love you guys. Let's pray and let's worship Jesus.